Did you know that Ravensburger produces more than just the classic jigsaw puzzles and board games we know so well? Introducing Cree Art by Ravensburger, the ultimate painting-by-number experience. You'll find everything you need to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting-by-number kits. Whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by number as you melt away the stresses of daily life and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. Easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs on Amazon, ranging from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. Let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Creart by Ravensburger. Shop Creart on Amazon today. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. What's your relationship to night and the dark? How do you feel about the dark? You know, I get scared in the dark. I know it sounds kind of goofy, but I grew up in an urban environment. I grew up in Boston, and and I got to spend time in nature. It's it's beautiful. It's amazing. And you catch a moon, or you know, or you really get into a place where you can see the sky and it's totally alive. I melt. I just want to lay on my back and be still forever. But there is some part of me too that you know I'm still a f- I'm, I. I need a little bit of light around me sometimes. I, I don't know what happens out in nature. There's bears and things. It's scary. That's Ben Davis, the founder and chief visionary officer of the art nonprofit Illuminate. I ask him how he feels about the dark because he, more than many people, has spent a lot of time and energy over the last several years adding light to the San Francisco nightscape. But unlike the motivation for much city lighting, he's done that not for profit but out of a deep sense of purpose. Our mission statement is illuminate rallies large groups of people together to create impossible works of public art that through awe, free humanity's better nature. People experience awe in all sorts of contexts, being in nature, witnessing acts of generosity, viewing inspiring art. And there is actually research showing that experiencing awe not only increases personal well-being, it also inspires us to act more altruistically toward others. Illuminate was initially formed to create something called the Bay Lights, a first-of-its-kind giant abstract light sculpture and generative art installation that lit up the western span of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge for 10 years. When the Bay Lights came on, there was something about it that just made you want to hold the hand of the person next to you. As if you were standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and your, your breath was a little short, and someone walked up and you just grabbed their hand. It didn't make a difference what language they spoke, what age they were, what gender they were, what their religious orientation was, what their social status was. Just like, wow, we're humans, we're alive, we're here. This moment of beauty and terror kind of intermingled. 
The Bay Lights installation was a glowing, undulating artwork displayed nightly between dusk and dawn. Designed by artist Leo Villarreal, 25,000 white LEDs covered the north-facing cables on an almost two-mile section of the bridge. The lights were controlled by a computer and programmed to change randomly, never repeating. The patterns moved in every direction and were inspired by the environment around the bridge, the weather, changing tides, traffic flowing underneath. Active from 2013 until about six months ago, countless people stood near the waterfront, right near where we are now, and watched mesmerized, maybe awestruck, as the first light installation of its kind gently rolled along the cables. Manifesting this project defied all the odds. It was born from Davis's deep love for this bridge and the city. Right now, we're sitting along the Embarcadero in San Francisco by Pier 14, which is a beautiful piece of infrastructure. It goes at about 600 feet out into the middle of the bay. One of the most gorgeous views of the city, actually, out there. And behind me, I can hear the gentle murmur of the Bay Bridge. How do you feel when you see the Bay Bridge? I feel... Uh, uh, a strange sense of energy inside me. I have such a resonance with that, where I, maybe I'm in service to it in such a way that I'm a, a tool or a tuning fork for it. But I have a deep personal connection to that bridge that goes back now almost a couple of decades. Ben moved to San Francisco from Boston in the 1990s. He was the public information manager of the Boston Harbor Cleanup Project. When he moved to the Bay Area, he started a communications firm specializing in mega projects like the Caltrans seismic retrofit of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. So I knew a lot about the bridge. And when it was coming up on its 75th anniversary, I was trying to think, how could you let this bridge shine in the region's consciousness again? Because it was the first bridge in the bridgeification of the Bay Area. When it opened on November 12, 1936, there were four days of regional celebrations. There were light shows going on. There were, you know, commissioned symphonies and poems. And then six months later, the symmetrically perfect sister with the beautiful skin to the north, the Golden Gate Bridge opened, and the world's attention drifted north. It had six months of kind of its own glory. And then it fell into its 75 years of being the Cinderella Bridge, right? The second busiest bridge in America, grit and grime, covered bridge. That if we thought about it all, it was with frustration that we had to get across it. And I just was thinking, how could you let this bridge shine in the region's consciousness again? I was at the ferry building early one morning, watching the farmer's market wake up, having a cup of coffee, thinking about it, and the sun was dancing through the cables. And it hit me that it didn't have to be just a bridge, it could be a canvas of light. It's no coincidence that Davis had recently returned from Burning Man, a yearly festival in the desert, known for its playful and irreverent displays of art and light. And when, when this vision came, the Bay Bridge as a canvas of light, it filled me with an energy that made me sweat, and it's, I'm feeling it right now. There's a, there's a, I can feel my body temperature rise just around the arrival of this energy inside me. I sat there for five minutes finishing that cup of coffee, just looking at the bridge as the sun was coming up behind it and the sun was rising above it. Just filled with a, I don't know, kind of a wild, beautiful energy. But then I stood up, crumpled up my coffee cup and said, oh, that's a crazy fucking idea of myself. But I stopped. Someone's like, no, dude, it's not a crazy idea. It's that you're afraid of being judged crazy for having it. You're afraid of what it would actually take because you know how challenging this is. But you're probably uniquely suited to anyone in the world to at least try. The year before, we had won a Webby Award for Caltrans for the best website in government internationally. Uh, we had their creative trust. And so I said, you know, it's, what is the loving choice? The loving choice is you can feel the beauty. You can feel the beauty of this idea. And, you know, it's kind of simple, man. I just wanted people to love this bridge like I do. 
The very next Monday, Davis was on a Caltrans communications team meeting, and he pitched the Baylights. The idea was that for the bridge's 75th anniversary, maybe it could outshine the Golden Gate Bridge for at least a little while. People loved the concept. Someone connected him to artist Leo Villarreal, who clicked with the project immediately. And somehow, the Bay Lights was moving quickly forward. And I never spoke to another artist about this project. It was divine. And he's, he's the perfect person and artist to take this incredible challenge on. And my question to him was, Leo, you know, you don't know me. There's no reason to believe this is possible. But if the Bay Bridge was your canvas, what would you do? Then he was already gone. This is a little tricky for me. When I've looked at the Bay Lights, with its thousands of LEDs creating waves of glittering motion high up above the San Francisco Bay, I've been delighted. I love whimsical spectacles of public art for art's sake. And light in the darkness can feel joyful and inspiring. But it also made me nervous, because I feel particularly attuned to how fast the darkness is disappearing. I decided to put my mixed feelings on a shelf and let myself be dazzled by the man who calls himself Chief Visionary, His passion is deep and contagious. His presentation bounces between evangelical and childlike delight. I have a strange brain uh, in that I don't hold a lot of information in it. I was deeply insecure about it my whole life. I felt that everyone was smarter than me, and I think they may be, and that information would just indiscriminately stick in my brain, but big pieces would just rip a hole in it like a bird flying through a spider web. And I realized, but I kind of have this spiderweb brain where I scurry around and can have to make sense of limited information. But I can see, I've learned to see with incomplete information the possibilities of things. And the thing that scared me my whole life about myself was my gift. The deficiency there created an overcompensation, I guess, in other areas where I truly don't know how I can see things, but I can say, oh yeah, that's possible. That gift for being able to see what's possible is even more striking given Davis's lack of technical knowledge or art experience. Really, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sort of a conceptual artist and Illuminate is, is a concept. I do not know how any of the projects we work on technically work. Despite these apparent obstacles, the time between first concept and unveiling was stunningly short. Two and a half years later, the Bay Lights manifested. And it was joined by loving energy, integrity, generosity, community every step of the way, and somehow slipped through the wormhole of all the corrupting forces that try and destroy something beautiful and came through with 100% integrity, exactly as it was intended from the very beginning. The Bay Lights and later projects by Illuminate defy the odds in a number of ways. The $8 million needed to create the first version of the Bay Lights was raised from private philanthropy, with no government or corporate money. At one point, Davis even put a lien on his house. We turned away millions of dollars because we wouldn't sell title naming rights or put ads on the bridge or, or you know, do the corporate sponsorship route. Aside from the finance and permitting hurdles, the implementation of the Bay Lights was particularly onerous. Over several months, crews had to work along the top of the suspension cables of the bridge between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. in cold rain and wind. The roadway over 200 feet down below on one side and the dark water of the bay even further on the other. Some of the workers found it so terrifying that they bowed out of the project. But the crews who work on it love the project. There was a point when the first round when we didn't have the funding and I had to let the contractor know like hey I'm, I can't pay your bill in six weeks and if you need to pull back 
He got back, back to me in about two hours. He goes, we're on. We're going to stay on no matter what. I'm like, thank you for not killing the project. He goes, I tried to kill the project. The crew mutinied. They said, look, this is the only time we've gone home for Thanksgiving and people want to talk to us about our jobs. Um, I love how a project like this just gives people a deep sense of connection. And the Baylights, thousands of people feel they're directly responsible, and they were. A work like this, a work this magnitude, steps quickly beyond being the work of the artist and moves into becoming a work of community, an expression of community. And, and I know this piece intimately. I know that it is love and generosity and community that was invested into it that shines out of it so powerfully and beautifully now, that it's part of the spell that it casts. After seeing and feeling the effect of the Bay Lights, the way it seems to move people, Davis couldn't go back to business as usual. Other projects followed, including a light projection on the Conservatory of Flowers, colorful laser space cannons ascending into the sky from Sutro and Coit Towers and along Market Street, and a huge glowing pink triangle laid out on a hill above the city during Pride Month. Illuminate is the art nonprofit that was formed to make the Baylights a reality. So it was really just meant to receive funds for the Baylights so they could be tax exempt and so forth. But, but when the Baylights went live, we had high hopes, but they, they lit a path well beyond themselves. It went beyond just being letting people see the Bay Bridge, which they kid and they loved. And, uh, and mission accomplished there. But more importantly, it, it transformed the energy of the city. And it also showed me, again, the power of people working together in a different way. For my 20 years of trying to get people to connect to the built environment, nothing created a stronger connection than this one gesture across the sky. While the organization's name is Illuminate, and most of the projects they've done around the city involve light, recent projects have expanded to include the Golden Mile, transforming JFK Drive, formerly a road for cars, into what Davis calls an urban oasis filled with art, music, and joy. Everything we're doing is connecting to a deeper story in the city. These are not trivial things. They're deeply thought through, and they have a purpose. Illuminate as a nonprofit is really not about light. We're about enlightenment or bringing light to the space right around your heart, frankly. And so you'll see now, day and night in San Francisco, we reach more than 20 million people annually. That includes people who can you know, experience the Bay Lights in the evening. It includes people who are in Golden Gate Park cruising down the Golden Mile. Ben Davis himself seems somewhat dazzled and bewildered by his own ability to cut through red tape and turbocharged projects around San Francisco. It doesn't even make sense to me. It feels like a dream I'll wake up from. But I have access and momentum right now, and I want to stay deeply in service to the place that I live and I love. And I do want to see San Francisco be transformed and, and known as the city of awe, even if that only inspires us for, you know, a few decades. But I feel like Illuminate is positioned if we do it right and we can keep galvanizing support to accomplish about 40 years worth of public art in the next five years in San Francisco and truly show the power of transformation of the space that we live through generous creative cultural expressionism. In the way of visionaries, Davis also sees the possibilities beyond what Illuminate is currently engaged in. I often think of Illuminate as a, an environmental organization, a climate change organization. Uh, I don't talk about it too much because it's kind of a stretch, but not for me. What we really do is we take a system that's designed to say no, and we work with people inside the system to deconstruct and reconstruct permissions pretty quickly so that we can say yes to good ideas. 
we take technology and apply it in ways people hadn't imagined. So in the case of the Bay Bridge, we know how to put a lot of pixels into a small screen, but have we ever distributed them 500 feet into the sky, 1.8 miles across the bay, in the middle of the bay on the side of a bridge? And that was challenging. No one had ever done that before. But that's exactly the muscle we need to be flexing and, and stretching and growing if we're going to figure out how to deal with the reality of climate change under the time frame that we have to deal with it. So I do think that there's a, a higher purpose to the exercise that we were putting ourselves and others through. And the reality with Illuminate is we don't have a big checkbook. We don't have a cudgel to punish people. We can't reward or punish or, or do anything other than inspire. So this is really an inspiration organization. Everything we do is through an act of inspiration. We ask a bureaucrat to take on 10 inches of paperwork for no extra pay. We ask a philanthropist to support this project with, without a whole lot of recognition. We ask technical teams to go deep into the project and lavish their love and attention and problem-solving ability on a project that, truthfully, for 90% of the project was less likely to happen than happen. It's an act of faith and belief. It's a spiritual gesture at the end of the day. Almost exactly 10 years from its creation, the Bay Lights went dark. It was originally meant to be a two-year temporary installation. And at the end of that time, the off-the-shelf components were failing pretty badly due to harsh conditions, including salt water, wind, and constant vibration. But the project was so popular that they got permission to improve the hardware and bring it back, with the hope of it being a permanent installation. That version lasted another eight years before those parts began to fail as well. Amazingly, Davis has raised more than 80% of the $11 million needed to reinstall the Bay Lights once again. We're going to get a third shot at this now, and we're going to get it really right this time, which is great. And when it comes back, it's going to have twice the number of LEDs, not to be brighter, but to be more accessible. So we'll still be on just the northern side of the western span of the Bay Bridge, but we'll wrap around that northern cable so there are lights on both sides, which means the artwork is visible to everybody who has a view of the western span around the bay, but it includes communities like the Bayview, Alameda, Oakland, Berkeley, Richmond, Treasure Island, so aesthetic equity for the entire bay. And we're working with bridge officials to do this safely, but to drivers on the Bay Bridge, when you're entering San Francisco between dusk and dawn when the new bay lights are up, you will be able to see the city as you enter through a portal of public art that is 1.8 miles long with the 240 feet above your head watching the city of San Francisco open up before you. I think that will be a world-class moment and gesture that changes the way people perceive San Francisco, part of that city of awe sensibility. That's, once again, our Bay Area leading the way as we did 10 years ago when the Bay Lights first came online. There was no precedent for this. It's an interstate highway above live traffic and water. There was no way to do it, and we found a way to do it. We inspired the rest of the world to follow. There's bridge lighting divisions now in major architecture firms. They, they weren't there before because we've shown the power of possibility. This is a gesture of love. If I do this one thing, for the next 10 years, 200 million people will have a direct experience of public art on the waterfront. More than a billion people online will see San Francisco in a more flattering, beautiful, creative, cultural light. So what began as an attempt to celebrate the 75th anniversary of a piece of infrastructure that Davis loved has become about something much more transcendent. This is an innovation around giving light into urban environments, bringing everyday awe into the world that has sort of been stripped away by the capitalism that we live in. If we were sitting in this place in the Yerba Buena encampment in 1840s, we would have a sense of awe. There would be trees, there would be sand dunes, there would be a night sky over our head. 
you know, bring a carpet of stars above our head. There would be sweeping views out to the oceans and to the bay. We live in a place that is inherently full of awe. The city of awe, we call it now. The Illuminate is, is looking to let San Francisco be known locally and internationally as a city of awe. It's the truth of who we are, but it's also an aspiration to, so that we can live up to it. The reality of is the way cities form, you know, you, you parcelize them, you put streets, you make things into rectangles. Buildings get grown in those spaces. They're often a reflection of ego. They start to block out the trees, the sky, the river. And we're at a place now where, where awe is just different. And it's not as readily available through the power of nature. Which brings us back to that nervousness I talked about earlier that this version of awe involves lighting up one of the last remaining pieces of relative darkness in an urban area, albeit on an already lit bridge between two glowing cities. Davis has thought about this, and I clearly wasn't the first person to ask him about it. I did learn as I was reading about night skies, the naked eye can pick out about 25,000 stars. Coincidentally, that's the number of LEDs on the side of the Bay Bridge. And I think it's an interesting coincidence that in a place that the night sky has, for the most part, gone away, you might see a planet or two and that's about it, that we've, in some ways, reinstituted this moment of awe with the same number of, of stars visible to the naked eye. Um, I know that's not going to bring solace to people who just think all light is bad, but I'm telling you, we need awe. We live in the century of the city now, and that's not going to change. And people who live here need to be able to have some moments and gestures where they can feel that. Again, the night sky issue is tricky, but I think that we're adding awe back into the equation in a generous way. It doesn't hide a star from anybody. Look, look at, I mean, this is a really interesting topic, and I have thought deeply about this, uh, and, and really to the point of, what the hell am I doing? But there is the light that gives and the light that takes. There's the light that fills you with love and the light that bleaches your soul. And if you imagine the, the Bay Lights, I know how much giving has gone into it, and I believe there's a lot coming out of it. Then you think about a place like Times Square. Awesome. It's a spectacle. You stand there. You're like, wow. But it's picking you up and shaking you by the ankles. It has, it's not respecting you. It's not there for anything other than itself. And then you look at you know the, the parking lot light or all the different types of light in the world. I'll just say there's just a lot of light out there, and I think all of it should go through a filter of consciousness. Is this a giving light? A loving light? Is this a taking light? Is this, you know, and, and just bring more consciousness to all of it. Close down the invitation a little bit more and jump into the reality of, of where we are as humans on the planet. A lot, a lot of challenges ahead. Listening to Davis, I can't help picturing the city meeting where officials consider lighting permit requests through a filter of consciousness. But we are talking about San Francisco, a place where art and society sometimes blur into one. You know, to me, art is not an end. Art is just a means to transformation. It's a convenient label from which to motivate people to take action. What I really, what Illuminate really wants to do is, you know, you believe whatever you want to believe. At the end of the day, we want to get your action. We want to get your actions to change. Believe only behavior. We want to see a change in behavior with every single person, which means being more generous, being more creative, taking agency, taking stewardship, pick with broom, whatever it takes to make the city you live in a better place. We are about really creating the city in which we want to live at this point, which is a, a generous place, full of, full of non-corporate expressionism that is creative and cultural expressivism that's just here to, to make this a more livable, lovable, dynamic city. I'd rather see more art, less of it vetted heavily by you know, commissions and things like that. I'd like to see less of it be permanent. I'd like to see us all give ourselves permission to take creative agency in the place that we live. And in some ways, permissions be damned. When the second version of the Baylights went dark this past March, it was in the context of an overall rough time for San Francisco. 
Open-air drug use, robberies, and other crime are in the news frequently. Office buildings are empty, businesses are shuttering. I think I live in a place that has this boom-bust, boom-bust ability to a still city of under a million people, and yet we can somehow bring energy in and, and explode it back out into the world in a way that just very few places have the power to do. And I feel like we're at one of those moments, you know, sort of another bust. Truthfully, we got, we got hyped up, as we often do, in the boom times, right? And it, the bust is the most beautiful moment. It's like getting heartbroken. It's when you're open to change and transformation. Otherwise, you're just fixed on your path. And, uh, and it hurts to have that heartbreak. But man, we've all felt it. And we've also felt the creative burst that comes after that. And the bust times are the best of times when we take creative agency of the place that we live and define what the next chapter is going to be. You never really know what that is. Um, it's usually the thing that you think is going to ruin you that actually defines you and beautifully. Whether it's the gold rush, or the Barbary Coast, or the labor movement, or the beats, or the queers, or the hippies, or the coders, or whatever it's going to be that's supposed to be destroying us next. Or the immigrants, or anything else, right? And I, I kind of love that about this city, that we, we have spasms, but we absorb, and that, that becomes part of the DNA. And, and I do believe that there's a next thing coming. There's a, there's a San Francisco just below the surface of the current San Francisco that is rumbling to break free. I don't disagree. That energy is why I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Still, I don't know how I feel about equating artificial light with awe. But I like Davis's distinction between light that gives and light that takes, and finding the balance between the two. Also, I do agree with him that we're in the age of the city, and cities are never going to have dark skies. It would be great if they were lit in such a way that you could have dark skies nearby, but that's another episode. In the meantime, I am looking forward to the Baylights returning, with their glittering, shimmering, lit-up magic in the dark. Because who doesn't like beauty? Who doesn't want awe? Wherever you can find it. I just want to see everybody get excited about making transformation, not around light, and it's not about art. It is about bringing beauty into our world. This is a beautification effort. Just if you make your place where you live more beautiful, it's going to have a daily benefit into your life, and it's going to start to create a momentum where there's a lot more of that happening around us. San Francisco has so much beauty already. It already is a city of awe. But it's also nice to aspire to that is what we should be thinking about all the time with every single gesture that we make to create a more generous, a more connected, a more creative world. So if you want to understand how to change the world, change the place that you live. My job is not to change the world. My job is to inspire San Francisco to change itself and so that we can become an inspiration for the world around us. Those are my boundaries. This is my canvas. This is my honor, my life's journey here in the city. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> totally I'm pretty open. Thank you. I really feel it. Thank you. It's, a, it's an honor to be in service this way. been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to everyone who supports Nocturne on Patreon and PayPal. Big special thanks to Eric Holzel, who supports the show on Patreon at the Happy Possum level, which is our highest level of support. Find out how you can help at nocturnepodcast.org support. 
or you can go to patreon.com slash nocturne podcast. Nocturne is a proud member of Hub and Spoke Audio Collective, a group of smart, well-crafted, independent podcasts. Check out all the shows in Hub and Spoke at hubspokeaudio.org. Till next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>